This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. This is one of those classic songs that will hit no matter what. Whether Barbies in theaters or not, shout out to Aqua for an all-time great hit. Alongside Mark Zeno, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And Mark and I are just lucky to occupy these seats for a hot minute. We are just stewards of this great program, Canty and Carlin. And we are joined now by one of the hosts of Canty and Carlin, Chris Canty, who's with us here on ESPN Radio. Chris, it's always great to talk to you. And I have to ask, have you been infected by Barbie fever? Have you gone and seen the movie yet? So I was supposed to go see Barbie on Monday, and that didn't work out because, Michelle, as you know, my wife went to see Beyonce on Sunday. Yes. She's the one that's been pushing us on the Barbenheimer train, and we were going to do Barbie first in Oppenheimer. Barbie was supposed to be on Monday, but she was still in recovery mode from B-Day <laughs> on Sunday night. And so it was hilarious watching her on the struggle bus all day on Monday. And I was like asking her the entire time, D- is it worth it? to be this far gone, to be in recovery mode this long. And she said, absolutely, the concert was amazing. So uh, she got what she was looking for out of the weekend. She had fun at Beyonce, but we did not see the Barbie movie yet. Sadly disappointing. Uh, What a bummer. I'm sure you'll get to it. But seeing Beyonce is a transcendent experience. Sometimes it takes you a couple days to emotionally, mentally and physically recover from that. I have no doubt that it was worth it. Well, Chris, one person who's hoping to recover from the season they had last year is Russell Wilson. We're doing our NFL two days here on ESPN radio. And the team, one of the teams that we're focused on today is the Denver Broncos. So, so much of their success, obviously, is hinging on Russell Wilson having a bounce back season. Do you think that Sean Payton is going to be able to resurrect Russell Wilson's career? No, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I I think they're going to give it the old college try, and the organization invested a hell of a lot in order to make that happen. Think about this. You got a quarterback that's making $48.5 million a year. You got a head coach that's making $18 million a year. The franchise gave up a combined three first-round draft picks plus in order to get those two men in the organization. And I'm not sure that Sean Payton is going to be able to pull Russell Wilson out of the career nosedive that we see start toward the end of his tenure in Seattle. I, I, I'm, this is an interesting blend of styles. Russell Wilson is a quarterback that's been known to play off schedule, the off-platform throws. He's going to do everything he can to extend the down, essentially outside of the structure of the offense. Sean Payton wants his quarterback to get the ball out of his hands in two and a half seconds or less within the structure of offense. I played against Russ several times. I was on a franchise where Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator way back when with the Dallas Cowboys. I can tell you, it doesn't feel like a match made in heaven, but the franchise has bet a hell of a lot that Sean Payton is going to be able to get the return on investment in Russell Wilson. Uh, I am skeptical, to say the least, about how that marriage is going to work out. But I will say that Sean is going to do everything that he can to put the culture in place in order to get the most out of Russell Wilson. But it's on the quarterback from this point forth. We'll see what he does in 2023. 50% of all marriages end in divorce, so the odds are not in the favor for uh, Russell and Peyton. Uh, Chris, Barkley shows up to, to Giants camp, as ex- I mean, probably sooner than many expected, including myself. But let me ask you this as a player. Would it do a service for Barkley to meet with the media and just tell him, guys, I'm done with the contract. I'm done with everything. I'm here to focus on football. Stop asking me questions about everything else and try to turn the page and get the focus away from everything that's gone on for the past, you know, nine plus weeks since the tag was put on him. 
Well, I mean, you're saying nine plus weeks. The GM, Joe Shane, spoke yesterday. He was talking about nine months they've been negotiating and things didn't go the way that Saquon Barkley wanted them to. And he was on a podcast last week, I think the Money Matters podcast, and he was saying how he could say to heck with the team, to heck with his teammates and all of this other stuff. Uh, It's clear that he felt the way about it. And waking up this morning, I'm sure he didn't feel any better seeing Andrew Thomas get the largest guarantee for an offensive tackle in NFL history. So I'm sure Saquon Barkley's looking at it and saying, if you believe that I am the heart and soul of this team, if you believe that I put a good face on for the franchise since I've been drafted in 2018, why can't I get the long-term financial security that the other core guys on the Giants got this offseason? Think about this. Dexter Lawrence, four years, $90 million. Daniel Jones, four years, $160 million, $82 million guaranteed. Andrew Thomas, $67 million guaranteed. Saquon Barkley's looking around saying, where the hell is my money? And rightfully so. I can understand that position. But the fact that he hasn't gotten his money, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that's a little bit of a head scratcher. But it's clear to me that this is a situation where Joe Shane has complete trust and control of the purse strings when it comes to the New York Giants. This is not a situation where ownership meddled in negotiations. They let Joe Shane do his job. And I think Joe Shane put on a masterclass in terms of how you negotiate with players on your team, rewarding guys that play key positions when it comes to winning in the NFL, and you know, essentially playing hardball with positions that were easily replaceable. Alongside Mark Zeno, I'm Michelle Smallman. We're speaking with Chris Canty, the host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. And Chris, we woke up this morning to the news. Justin Herbert, five years, $262.5 million contract extension. He's now the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. We know that Joe Burrow's deal is is up in a while. He's uh, negotiating on a contract extension. Even despite T. Higgins and Jamar Chase also being on the block to get extensions, do you think we're going to see the Bengals make Joe Burrow the highest paid player in the NFL? If Joe Burrow wants to be right now, it's just a ma- it's just a matter of whether or not he wants to sign now or he wants to wait a year and wait for the salary cap to go up even more in 2024 than it did in 2023. The, the, the ball is in Joe Burrow's court. If he wants to get paid now, he'll be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and that'll last all of two minutes because we know Pat Mahomes is coming right after that. But, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is worth every nickel of it. Think about this. Prior to him getting there, Cincinnati hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years. So, yeah, Joe Burrow took him to the Super Bowl in year two of his NFL career. So he's absolutely worth every penny. The Cincinnati Bengals, as far as long as he's under center, will be a contender in the National Football League. So, Joe Burrow, th- there isn't an amount of money that the Bengals can pay that would be too much because I think he's just that damn good. Our team with a lot to prove, Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott, who has more at stake this season? Who's under more pressure? Yes, that's my answer. <laughs> yes. Makes sense. I, I mean, it, it, really, we're looking at this situation. The reason why we don't trust the Dallas Cowboys, the only two reasons we don't trust the Dallas Cowboys to be a title contender, the head coach and the quarterback. The quarterback has had 35 turnovers in the last 31 games he's played in, and in the last two playoff losses, the Dallas Cowboys offense has combined for 29 points, and both of them came at the hands of the 49ers. The same 49ers that allowed the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game this year to hang 31 points on them. So it, it seems to be a little bit of a gap between where the Cowboys are at and the premium teams in the NFC, that being the Eagles and the Niners. And you would hope that the evolution of the quarterback-head coach relationship would bridge the gap this year. 
I just have zero confidence that that's going to happen. Mike McCarthy, on top of having issues with overall game management and player discipline because they're the most penalized team over the last two years, now he's going to add to his responsibilities play-calling duties? Yeah, tell me how that's going to work out and how that's going to benefit the Dallas Cowboys. And then with Dak Prescott, the turnovers are an uncomfortable trend. Everybody wants to talk to me about how he's been throughout the entirety of his career when it comes to turnovers. I'm just looking at the last two years. And he hasn't been great with the turnovers. Now he's had the Achilles, um, he had the ankle injury, then he had the thumb injury, he had all of this stuff going on. He doesn't look like the same quarterback that he did in his first three or four seasons in the NFL. So I'm curious to know what version of Dak Prescott shows up and how Mike McCarthy handles the play calling duties. To me, that's going to determine the ceiling on the Dallas Cowboys. So the Cowboys are under some pressure, Chris Candy. Another team I would put in that category is the Buffalo Bills. They've been in the conversation. They've yet to push through and get it done. And this offseason, we heard about the tension between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. He cleared the air today and and spoke about their relationship. He said they're in a good spot. Their Their only focus is winning. Where are you at on your confidence level with those two? Do you think it's healthy that they might have had some tension and aired it out and worked through it? Or do you think that's something that could potentially permeate through the season? What's, no, it, ain't, ain't nothing good about that, Smallman. Okay, ain't yeah, nothing good me. about that relationship. Yeah, have, <laughs> have you good. seen that in, in the yeah. locker room? If so, tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I've seen it. I mean, Tony Romo and Terrell Owens, and, and, yeah. and that didn't work out for either one of them. So, I, yeah, I've seen it up close and personal. I, I don't think that's going to work out. And you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. To see how they played in the playoff game and Steph Diggs only getting four catches in that game at home and dropping dropping that game and in, in a situation where they had home field advantage, I, I just it's a surprise to me um, that more isn't being made out of this relationship and where they go from here. I'm also curious to see what happens on the defensive side of the ball for the Buffalo Bills because there's no more Leslie Frazier. Like Sean McDermott is a defensive-minded head coach. You've seen that when he was in Philly and Carolina, uh, and now he's going to be responsible for those play-calling duties, but there's going to be an adjustment with that because for the last several seasons, he's been wearing the head coach headset and not necessarily the play-caller headset on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm curious to see how they, they deal with all of those issues in Buffalo. There are huge expectations, and competition in division hasn't been stronger in the McDermott-Allen era of Bills football. So um, it'll be... A really interesting season, but on its face, I don't think on its face, I don't have confidence that the Buffalo Bills are going to run away with the AFC East. I'll leave it at that. What's your definition of workout when you say it's not going to work out? Like it didn't work out for Romo and and Owens. Like I mean, because if you don't win the Super Bowl, then it doesn't work out for thirty one teams. So what's the definition of not working out? If, if Stephon Diggs leads the NFL in catches during the regular season, and the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East and get the one seed, what I mean, did it not work out? Well, I think Stephon Diggs is looking at it from the standpoint of his quarterback having all the turnovers. I mean, Josh Allen, what do you have, 19, 20 turnovers last year? Seven 14. of them in the red zone? Ha, ha, ha. That's not a good thing when your best player only catches the ball. 13 games, four- Chris. I'll, yeah, I'll trade 14 turnovers for 13 wins every single time. Sure, that's great. But the expectation is to compete for a championship. Am I right? Especially, are, are especially saying early, they didn't do that? Is, no. I mean, did they compete for a championship last year? They had a bad playoff game. It happens from time to time to a lot of teams. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had a bad playoff game against Joe Burrow, and and the Bengals got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but Patrick Mahomes has been in the AFC Championship, hosted the AFC Championship five games in a row, five years in a row. I I get it. I'm not following you. 
I'm trying to gauge the measure of when you say it's not going to I mean, I, I don't know whether it will or it won't work out, and I'm not supposing that it will. Just to say that it won't work out, I, I think the squeaky wheel gets the grease here. I think Stephon Diggs is going to get fed religiously this year, the football, as much as he wants it, as he should, because he's probably the best weapon that offense has. And I still think they're the best team in that division, and they have every chance to compete for a championship. This but year. I guess that's my point. They've been the best team in that division for the last two years. The last two years, this is a franchise that's had a top-five offense and a top-five defense. This is a salary cap sport. You can't keep all of those pieces together forever. At some no. point, you have to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you. And I'm simply pointing out that some of the mistakes at the most inopportune times from the quarterback have cost this team when it matters most. And so, yeah, the goal is to compete for a championship. If they don't, I could see a situation where frustration bubbles over and the franchise has to make a decision to move off of a wide receiver that's coming off of, what, five consecutive thousand-yard seasons? That's not a good place to be if you're the Buffalo Bills. He's Chris Canty, host of Canty (laughs) Carlotta on ESPN Radio. Great conversation with Mark Zeno and Michelle Smallman here on the show. I wanted to ask you, staying in the that division in the AFC East, we talk so much about the about the Jets, Super Bowl or bust. We just talked about the Bills and the expectations on them. We've talked a lot about the Dolphins and if Tua can stay healthy, what that team and specifically that offense could be. Do you think we're underestimating the Patriots and Bill Belichick? I know on paper they are certainly not as good as the other teams we just mentioned, but Chris, we're talking about Belichick being on the hot seat. I just think that we're kind of disrespecting the guy. Yeah, there's a little bit of Bill Belichick disrespect going on, but I mean, when the owner comes out and calls into question some of the decisions that Belichick has made over the last several seasons in wake of Tom Brady defecting to Tampa, I think it's fair to question how long this is going to go on in New England. Now, that being said, the Patriots might have the best defense in the division. They just might. And I get it. This is a defense that's low. This is a division that's loaded with teams that are good on the defensive side of the ball. I think all four teams, all four defenses are in the top 10 defenses in the National Football League. But the Patriots can muck up a game like nobody's business. And I got to believe that you're going to get a better version of Mac Jones. Now that you have a competent play caller on the offensive side of the ball with Bill O'Brien, somebody that he's had success with in, in college, albeit. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the Patriots are one of those teams that you have to watch. And I'm not saying that they're going to they're gonna win the division. I wouldn't put them in that territory. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about December football, the Patriots competing for a wild card. Chris, one more here from a team that you know well because you played from the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson gets his new deal. I mean, they seem to be forgotten about given all the teams that we talk about in the AFC. I know the Jets get a lot of attention. We talk about the Chargers or Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. I mean, you know. Uh, where obviously they have championship expectations. They're a phenomenal organization from top to bottom, but are they getting sort of lost in the shuffle of all the great teams in the AFC? Are they sort of forgotten about a little bit? Nah, you know what? I'm starting to hear more and more buzz about the Baltimore Ravens being a team to watch. I'm curious to see what the offense looks like. Um, I don't know, defensively in their front seven, they got a lot of work to do. A lot of young guys that haven't When do you think you'd ever say that about the Ravens, right? Exactly. You know, they've got a lot of work to do in terms of show and prove. I mean, Odafe Owe, there are questions about whether or not he's going to come around. We'll see what happens with Tyus Bowser. Now, Roquan Smith has seemed to, you know, kind of help that defense find solid footing and then bringing out the best version of Patrick Queen. But, Again, I think a lot of it is going to hinge on what happens with with the front seven of that Baltimore Ravens defense and then how quickly they can evolve the passing game under new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. But I absolutely look at them as a team that's in the mix for the AFC North title. 
And remember, you're talking about a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that has shown the ability head-to-head to beat Josh Allen, to beat Patrick Mahomes, and I think and to beat Joe Burrow. And I think that's kind of the bar that, that I set for the Baltimore Ravens because they have a quarterback that can play at a near MVP level and that has shown that he can win against the best quarterbacks in that conference. Uh, Chris Canty, before we let you go, a personal question here. So mm. I was te- I was telling the guys before you joined us. I, I went to lunch with an old friend today. We were we were uh, splitting some things at the restaurant. We ordered pork chops, which was a delicious choice, a kind of an uh, an unusual lunch choice. But I, I stand by it. It was good. And we were in a small space in New York City. And sometimes the smell from the food can get trapped in your clothes or your hair. And that's what I'm dealing with today. My hair smells like pork chops here mm. in the studio. So tell me, do you think that's sneaky, amazing, or do you think it's disgusting? Uh, I, if you enjoyed the meal, then I would say sneaky amazing. Cause I mean, it's just going to bring back those, you know, it's gonna, you get a waft of that thing. It's just going to bring back the memories of you devouring that pork chop. I, I'm all about it. I am all for it. Small man. Oh, by the way, got to give you a shout out recommending Rosemary, the restaurant in Chicago. I was there this weekend for the Beyonce concert, as I mentioned, and your boy, Joe Flam, mm-hmm. top chef season 15 winner does his thing in the kitchen. I mean, I know he named the restaurant after his grandmother's. The food was so good, I could have sworn that both Grandma Rose and Grandma Mary were in the back kitchen cooking. <laughs> like, it was amazing food, so I want to appreciate you hooking us up uh, at Rosemary in Chicago, your homeboy Jeff Flam. He did a phenomenal job. Oh, well, I'm so glad that it worked out. I'm so glad you and your wife and your friends were able to go there. Uh, if anyone is the in ribs, Chicago. The, oh. the ribs. Speaking of pork, the ribs, amazing. I, amazing. I would put those ribs up against any Chris Canty. I mean, I, I love some ribs. I'm from the Midwest. St. Louis has, has you know, surprisingly good barbecue. But those ribs at Rosemary, amazing. So I'm glad it worked out. If anyone is in Chicago, cannot recommend it enough. And shout out to Joe Flam. Well, Chris Canty, the host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for giving us some time today, Chris. We Thanks, appreciate you. you. Alright, appreciate y'all holding it down. Keep doing the thing. Alongside Mark Zeno, I'm Michelle Smallman. We are filling in on Canty and Carlin today. Canty and Carlin and ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, what version of Mac Jones will we get this season now that he's reunited with Bill O'Brien? We're going to examine it next on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Alongside Mark Zeno, I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And you can always jump in on the conversation on the Canty and Carlin call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Mark, we just spoke about it briefly with Chris Canty last segment, but the New England Patriots, it seems like they're an afterthought in the AFC East. We're talking so much about the Jets and the Aaron Rodgers era. We're talking a lot about the Buffalo Bills, their chances to get to the Super Bowl. The Dolphins are super intriguing. They have a lot of of strong points on their team. We're wondering what that offense could look like, especially if Tua can stay healthy. And it seems like we're not really focusing at all on the New England Patriots and what they could be. Well, there's not exactly a lot of star power there that draws your attention other than Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick sands Tom Brady Starts to feel not like the Bill Belichick that we all knew um, to be the guy who guides teams to Super Bowls on the regular. So uh, there, there's reasons for us to look past them. Plus, when you look at the other three teams, you know they are locked and loaded. And, and one to fifty-two, I think it's fair to say that the Patriots might have the worst roster of any team in their division. And so, where are we with the Patriots? Um, are are they in rebuild mode? Are they in retool mode? I mean, you know, what's the – you have to wonder for the first time in the Boston, New England area what they, the expectations they've set for this team. Is it just to make the playoffs? Like, is that considered success for them? Because uh, it feels like I, I wasn't ever going to know a lifetime where anything short of a Super Bowl was good enough for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So uh, I, I think there's a lot to, to, to fix here and a lot of moving pieces. As Chris Canty just said, they have a very good defense. They probably have the best defense in the division. Um, I don't think that matters. But if you can't score points in this league, the Denver Broncos had a really good defense too. If you can't score points in this league, guess what? You don't win a lot of football games. That's just the unfortunate fact of the matter. Well, they're hoping that Mac Jones can find the success or at least the version of himself that we saw as a rookie last night or last season excuse me in New England's 8 and 9 finish you saw the Patriots finish 26th in total offense 27th and third down conversion rate the offense wasn't great there was a lot of dysfunction with the play calling and they're hoping that bringing in Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator will alleviate some of that he had cross paths with Mac Jones at Alabama he returns to the OC as the Patriots he was there from 2009 to 2011 and they're hoping that he can provide the stability and um, the comfort that Mac Jones needs to get that offense back on track. So uh, on the outset, Mark, this looks like it was a very smart hire by Robert Kraft to bring Bill O'Brien back. It was a very natural sort of good fit hire. Um, I'll hesitate to call it smart at this point because, you know, the Bill O'Brien that had Mac Jones in college – uh, and the Bill O'Brien that was coaching in the NFL, you know, several years ago, years and years ago in New England, guess what? Like, that's not 
it's it's not none of that's the same, right? We're in a different time. We're in a different space. We're in a different era now. Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones aren't preparing for Clemson and Georgia. They're preparing for the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs and everybody else. And you know the the the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Like it's a different level here. So uh, I, I think things are uh, not. You know. It, it made sense to bring him here, I guess is what I'm saying, but I don't know that I want to call it smart until I see some results and it turns out to be a good hire. So Bill O'Brien's system is is typically touted as quarterback friendly, so hopefully that helps Mac Jones. He spoke at training camp in his presser about what he's hoping to do during camp. Just for me, I'm definitely self-motivated and all those things come from within and just trying to be the best version of me and I hope my teammates can see that. I'm going to just grind it out and hopefully I can bring a lot of people along with me. That's the big thing, right? You're the quarterback and at the end of the day when we're on that field, they need to feel confident in me and I need to feel confident in them and that's built through trust. I think that's the big word here for this for this training camp is trust and um, that's going to come through trial and error. It's going to come through good and bad, so it's not always going to be great. So just having that positive mindset and just kind of staying the course and running my race, uh, and bringing people along with me. And as we we talk about what success looks like for the Patriots this season, Mark, I think because not only their division is so stacked, but the AFC as a whole, I don't even think playoffs is, at least in my mind, the barometer for success. I would just like to see Mac Jones get back to what they expect him to be, or at least you feel great at the end of the season about where Mac Jones is headed and where this offense is headed. That, to me, would be a good uh, marker for success for the New England Patriots. I mean, can I just boil this down to the simplest form? You know what would be a good measure of success? Michelle points. Like, I, I, I mean, I hate to simplify it and be so cut and dry and black and white with it, but when you have a defense of this level, we're not asking you to be the Chiefs' offense. We're not asking you to, to, to do what Aaron Rodgers is expected to do with the Jets' offense. We're not asking you to be Tua and the Dolphins. We're not asking you to be the Lions. Just asking you to be average. Because with that defense, average should be enough to win you 10 games. If, if, if below average, as bad as they were, was enough to win you eight last year, you're telling me they can't squeeze two more games out of it by just averaging, like, 24 points a season? 24 points a game, rather? I mean, you know... We're not asking – you're not asking much, and that's the problem here for trying to measure success because in reality, objectively, strip that logo off the side of the helmet and say this is what this offense is. How much better do they need to be just to be a playoff team? And the answer is not much. So uh, and that's why I wonder what the expectations are up in the Boston area because it just seems like we've set such a low bar, mm-hmm. and, and it's really not that hard to clear. If, if Bill O'Brien can't make Mac Jones – three points better per game, right? If he can't make the Patriots offense three points better per game, then no, it's not a smart hire. I mean, because as I just said, like they don't have to do much because the defense is so good. He's Mark Zeno. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And coming up next, we continue our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Can Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup return to form? We'll discuss it next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Hey, let's go do our job, man. 
NFL Nation Two a Day. Time is here on ESPN Radio. The Los Angeles Rams. Blue 58! Go! This is Travis Rogers from ESPN 710 in Los Angeles. And heading into the 2023 season, the biggest storyline for the Los Angeles Rams is how is Sean McVay going to deal with the expectation of having a bad team for the first time in his NFL career since his rookie season as a head coach? That season, there were no expectations. McVay surprised everybody. They've been good ever since up until last year. This upcoming season, of course, is the first time under the McVay era where the team is expected not to be competitive, where the team is expected to not contend for a playoff spot. That's the challenge he faces. That's the challenge the entire team faces. What do you do when no one expects you to be good? Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. He's Mark Zeno. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And Mark, life comes at you fast. When you're the Los Angeles Rams and you hoist the Lombardi in 2022, you expect a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, but theirs was historic. They went 5-12 and last year. Those 12 losses, the most for a defending Super Bowl champion that beats the record of the 1999 Broncos who went 6-10. and So... You know, they lost Stafford, Cup, Donald to season-ending injuries, but it doesn't look like they're going to be much better this year after they move on from Jalen Ramsey. You have to wonder how much longer Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald have in the tank. So what do you expect for the Rams this year? What does success look like for them? They're going to be better. I think people are undervaluing them, um, at least offensively. Now, I don't know how much on the defensive side of the ball – Jalen Ramsey really um, is the player that he was when he left Jacksonville to go to L.A. Uh, I think there's probably some, you know, addition by subtraction there, Um, not only from a salary camp standpoint, but just, you know, uh, a little bit of a motivation standpoint on the defensive end. Obviously, Aaron Donald is still a a one-man wrecking crew and obviously can change a defense by himself. But offensively, I would expect Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup to have this season that They've had together for the two years that the Rams were nearly unbeatable. Like, what's the reason that should stop? Between McVay, Stafford, and Cup, why should anything be different? It didn't matter that everybody knew Cooper Cup was getting the ball even when they were good. So why would, why would you stop giving him the ball now? Like, I, I don't know why that would change. Uh, Cooper Cup's still going to get open. Matthew Stafford's still going to get him the ball. And the offense is going to be able to move. Uh, the real question is, is can the offensive line protect Stafford? Is there any semblance of a running game? But out of those, all those other weapons that they had on their Super Bowl run, is there any semblance of a running game that they can formulate to sort of take some pressure off of being a one-dimensional offense? But remember, you know, they're playing in a division with the Arizona Cardinals. They should be able to sneak two wins there. They're good enough to, I think, beat Seattle twice. So that leaves them with the San Francisco 49ers. You think they can I mean, beat Seattle twice? Is it out of the realm? I think Seattle's primed for some major regression. I think oh. so is Geno Smith primed for some major regression. Okay, go on. I, I mean, I have a larger sample size of what Geno Smith is than what he was last year. I'll default on what he – and you saw at the, t- the tail end of last year, the old Geno Smith started to show back up. It didn't last the full 17 games. So Seattle might be setting themselves up for some disappointment here. Uh, at least for me, from a betting standpoint, I, I would look to fade Seattle early. That said, again, you know, if I told you they finished second in this division, would you be completely shocked? Yes. Like what, I mean, do you think Seattle is that good that they, you would? I wouldn't yeah. be at all. 
Uh, I, I think McVay is that good of a coach, um, and I still think that when push comes to shove, they're going to end up playing a fortunate schedule because it's a last-place schedule from last year or a third-place schedule, whichever one it was. But they're going to have two or three games in there that, that might be easier than most teams and what they played last year as a first-place schedule. And so, yeah, uh, I think there's reason to believe there's improvement. Does that mean they could, they're going to make the playoffs? I don't know. Is nine wins out of the realm of possibility? I wouldn't say totally no. I mean, if you go look up and down their schedule, it doesn't look like they're playing a rash of world beaters. And as we've talked about, you know, the NFC is sort of the poor man's, you know, conference this year um, where there's not a lot of teams that, you know, are going to be particularly very good. But, you know, look at they play the AFC South. So you get a whole bunch of question marks in the Colts. Um, I'm sorry, no, they play the Colts because of the the cross extra game that they got to play. They play the AFC North this year. Um, But again, I mean, they're still going to play Cleveland. Are they going to be any good? Don't really know. Um, If they could take care of the business in the division, Michelle, I think they're going to be better than expected. Yeah, you you are clearly higher and more optimistic about the Rams than I am. You, you're a lot higher on them than I am. And I can see you're doing best-case scenario with the Rams. I am in the, the worst-case scenario camp. I understand that Sean McVay is a great coach. He also didn't know if he wanted to come back. Aaron Donald, nothing but respect for him. One of the best defensive players in NFL history when he's healthy. But how much does he have left in the tank? Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford were a very dangerous combination. That's that's why they won the Super Bowl in 2022. But they're they're dealing with injuries. Matthew Stafford and the back nine of his career. I just think that for them to be in the scenario that you just described, everything would have to break right, and I don't anticipate that happening. Um, when we saw Sean McVay at his best, they were in the F those picks era, and they had a loaded team. I think that they're not going to be as bad as they were last year, 5-12, and 12, but I think maybe they're a, wi- a win better. I think maybe we see them get six wins. It's going to be very interesting to see what this team looks like when they don't have all of the weapons that they had uh, in 2022. I think they're closer to what they were last year than they were this year. You know, they, when they had that scenario, bleep those picks, we're seeing the ramifications of that. We're seeing what it looks no, like when, you, uh, when you don't have the draft capital uh, and you don't, you can't go out and make the moves because of the cap. We're seeing what, what that looks like when you go on and guess what? It paid off for them. They, they won the yes. Super Bowl. They did what they wanted to do, but you're not going to be able to sustain success when you don't have flexibility to add to your team. All right, Michelle, let me let me do this exercise with you real quick. Okay. Because I don't like to predict wins on an NFL schedule. I think it's a waste of time because uh, I have no idea what the roster is going to look like in October, November. Like I think it's. But what I will say is, if the team with the better quarterback, generally, if it's fair to say the team with the better quarterback has a better chance to win, I think that's remotely fair. Let's just go down the list here. If you're talking, and I think this is from week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on. When they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, better quarterback, Matthew Stafford or Kenny Pickett? I would go a healthy Matthew Stafford. Okay. They'll play the Cowboys. We'll give it to Dak. Next week, the Packers. Better better quarterback, Matt Stafford or Jordan Love? We don't know about Jordan Love. To me, that's, that's a toss-up. Right now, you have to go uh, but, with Matthew Stafford because it's a question mark. Thank you. Better quarterback, Matt Stafford or Geno Smith? I would go Gino right now. I would not. G- That's Gino the had a great season last year. I'm a Gino believer. Uh, better, better quarterback, Matt Stafford, whoever is starting Arizona. Well, come on, that one's easy. Okay, better quarterback, Matt Stafford or Deshaun Watson, as we last saw him. 
uh, well, Matthew Stafford's coming off an injury, so I don't know what he's going to be. So that that okay. one, again, is a push for me. Again, let's, let's just call it a coin toss. Lamar Jackson, we know, is better. Washington is starting Sam Howell. Better quarterback, Matt Stafford or Sam Howell? Okay, but you Matt don't... Matt Stafford. Better quarterback, quarterback, Matt Stafford v- or Derek Carr? Quarterback. You need, better okay. quarterback, Matt Stafford or Daniel Jones? My point is, is that if they have the better quarterback, they're going to be competitive in more games than not. That's the point. Okay, so let's do another exercise then, shall well, we? don't have time for this because we're up, we're up against the clock. But you know that it's Aaron Donald. You know it's Matt Stafford. You know it's Cooper Cup. Who, who is the next best player on the Rams? Sean McVay. See, your silence <laughs> says a lot. And we're hoping that those three stay healthy, especially two guys on the back nine of their career. He's Mark Zeno. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, does Russell Wilson have an MVP caliber season left in him? We're going to debate that and hear from an expert next on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.